listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you on the podcast again today. It is Monday, and I'm pumped up to be with you. I'm here in Logan, West Virginia. If you don't know where that is, it's Southern West Virginia, just about 45 minutes outside of Charleston, the capital, and uh, we're holding a revival here all this week. It's been phenomenal already. This is what some people call Holy Week. Um, We just celebrated Palm Sunday yesterday, and um, obviously next Sunday is Easter Sunday, Good Friday coming up. It's awesome, man. I'm so thankful for what Jesus did uh, on the cross and through this redemptive act that we're all experiencing the benefits of today. We're saved. And we have a covenant with God that we could have no other way except through what Jesus did. And so I want to take a minute at the top of the podcast to just give thanks to God for sending Jesus Christ. It is the greatest thing that ever happened to this earth. And I know you um, also are as joyful and happy as I am to be saved. If you're not saved and you're somehow listening to this podcast, uh, you need to get saved. As Bishop Boyadepo says, if you're not saved, you're not safe. Jesus is coming very soon. And uh, I'm so happy to be a child of God, a new creature in Christ Jesus, as Paul said. And uh, there's no, no greater thing than to live your life fully for Jesus Christ and to give yourself to the kingdom of God. And um, see, when you do, God has a plan to bless you without question. God loves to bless his children. And uh, today, as you saw in the description of the podcast or the title, I'm going to deal with defeating the five enemies of your increase. And the reason I'm titling it like that is because God does want to bless you as his child without question. But not only does he want to bless you, uh, the enemy wants you to miss out on your blessing. He wants to steal from you what God has set aside for you. And uh, T.L. Osborne, who was the, uh, we call him the apostle of love, one of the greatest missionary evangelists ever to exist, uh, said it this way. He called John chapter 10 and verse 10, the gospel in one verse. And the, you know the verse it says, the thief comes for no other reason but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So without question, Jesus has a plan to bless his children. And I love what Jesus taught um, regarding God the Father in Matthew chapter 7, where he said that earthly fathers or men that are evil, carnal, know how to give good gifts to their children. Then he makes the example or analogy. He said, listen, if any of you had children that asked you for fish, would you give them a serpent? No. If they asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? No. Why? Because even though you're evil earthly fathers, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. So then he goes on further and says, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? And so that's the case. He's trying to get you to understand the nature and character of God, which is a loving heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to his children, loves to bless his children. 
And uh, that's the case. God has a plan to bless you and wants to see you overflow in every area of life. And that includes your finances. Um, you know, one of the things Jesus died for, and I know some people tell, man, they, I can't understand this, but they freak out and disagree. But I base my beliefs on scripture and not on what people think. Uh, the Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus died for one of the reasons that he died was to destroy financial lack and poverty and to make you a wealthy child of God. Wealthy, not in just in the spirit, but wealthy naturally. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine, the Bible says, though he was rich, speaking of Christ, yet for your sakes, he became poor that through his poverty, he could make you rich. And he became poor on the cross at the same time he became sickness and the same time he became sin, he became poor and destroyed poverty, destroyed sickness and destroyed sin with one redemptive act on the cross of Calvary. And then if you go to Revelation chapter five, you'll find that there were actually seven reasons uh, that Jesus died or seven things he purchased in his death. Angels were singing around the throne in uh, Revelation chapter five, verses 11 and 12. And, and the Bible says that the angels who numbered 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands were singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Seven redemptive benefits. Well, he didn't receive them for himself. Jesus didn't have to die to get power. He already had power. He didn't have to die to get blessing. He already had the blessing of God. He got those things to give them to us. And wealth is on the list. And notice it's separate in the list from blessing. He died to give us power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. Notice that blessing and wealth are two different items on the list. That's because blessing is a pronouncement and wealth is a result of the pronouncement. So you understand that when the blessing of God comes upon you, wealth is not the only thing that will take place, but it is one of the things that will take place. So you understand blessing doesn't just mean financially blessed. It has to do with every aspect of your life. However, one of those aspects will be financial increase. And so today uh, I wanted to deal with defeating the five enemies of your financial increase, defeating the five enemies of your financial increase. If you want to see the blessing of God in your life through and through, then these five enemies or uh, frames of mind have to be defeated in your own personal life. And when they are, you'll begin to see increase and overflow in every aspect and area of your life. And so let's go ahead and jump into these today because I'm, I'm pumped about this. Number one, you have to make five decisions. And that's what I'm going to deal with. These, these five enemies of your increase, you have to make decisions that will defeat these enemies. Every one of these five things, you can make a decision to do them that will defeat this enemy in your life and keep you from being poor, impoverished, in lack, and without without enough to do what you're called to do. And it'll take you into a place of abundance and overflow where you're richly supplied for every good work. 
as Paul taught the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 9. So number one, the first enemy of your increase is unholiness or unrighteousness. And so to defeat that, obviously, you have to decide to be holy. So number one, you've got to decide to live a holy life. Unholiness, unrighteousness will steal your financial increase. You're like, man, are you serious? You think really like living in unholy can, has anything to do with financial blessing? I guarantee you it does. And I'm going to show you from the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84 and verse 11 that the Lord our God is our God is a sun and a shield and he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly or righteously. He will not withhold any good thing from who? Not from anybody, from those that walk uprightly. The Bible says in Job chapter 36 and verse 11, God spoke here by the inspiration of the Spirit, and the Scripture says, if they would only obey and serve me, they would spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. What's the prerequisite in that verse? Just obey and serve God. If they would obey and serve God, they would spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. I'm kind of going through these scriptures quickly because I have a lot to tell you, but you can slow the podcast down if you want to in the app to half speed if you're taking notes and you can't scribble this fast. Isaiah 119, the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, which means there's levels of what you can be consuming. You can, you can eat or consume the barely get by amount of the land, the standard of the land that everybody else is consuming, or the good of the land, which is the cream of the crop. And he said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good. You'll have the best. Jump into the New Testament. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There it is again. And all these things will be added unto you. So without question, holiness, living in the obedience of God's word will bring you into overwhelming blessing. John chapter 14 and verse 21, Jesus is teaching here and he says, those who have my commandments and obey them, they're the ones that love me. And because they love me, they'll be loved by my father. And then I will love them and manifest myself to them. So when you obey the mighty word of God, you are now qualified for the manifestations of Christ. And one of those manifestations of Christ is the manifestation of riches and wealth, according to the redemptive covenant. So when you decide to live holy, then you have the ability to defeat the first enemy of your increase, which is unrighteousness, unholiness, which becomes a barrier that holds back the blessing that God has planned for you and for your family and for your home. Number two, you have got to decide to tithe. You've got to become a tither. You know, the second enemy of your increase is this thought process that tithing is not for today. Tithing is not for now. And there's no way you can even you know, argue that this podcast right now is contrived or that I'm, I'm having to say this or making it up because I don't pastor a church. I don't ask people to tithe to me. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I couldn't even be saying this for my own benefit because I don't personally receive tithes. 
I'm teaching this to you because the Bible teaches it. I'm a tither. I've always been and always will be. In fact, I'll tell you this. this, I'll never forget this. I heard a preacher say once, if you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar. If you're not a tither, you will always be a beggar. If you're going to be blessed, you have to make a decision to tithe. And you can get into debates with all these people about whether or not tithing is for today. And that's Old Testament, brother. However, we have two places in the New Testament where it is mentioned. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus affirmed tithing. And the writer of Hebrews affirmed tithing in Hebrews chapter 7, when he said that men who die here receive tithes, but there, being heaven, Jesus receives them. So, The priesthood has changed. Obviously, we don't tithe to a Levitical priesthood anymore, but now Jesus receives our tithes in heaven directly, and we continue on in tithing. I've done whole podcast episodes on this. If you want to go back and listen, uh, if whether or not tithing is for today, you go back and listen. I've got whole episodes that deal with why this did not pass away when Jesus took us into a new covenant that it's not reserved or restricted to the old covenant, but tithing is still very much in effect today. In fact, it's always been around. Even before it was called a tithe, God always had something that was reserved for himself. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. There were trees that God created that man had to work to tend, but couldn't eat from. So you know what that means? It was part of man's labor, but he could not enter into the benefits of that because it was reserved only for God. Notice when Noah took animals on the ark, he didn't just take unclean animals two by two. He took clean animals seven by seven. And when the ark, now understand through that whole time that he was on the ark, not just the 40 days and nights of the rain and storm, but even after as the water was receding. Noah had to work with his family to maintain all of those animals, even though he would not get to benefit or eat or take part in all those animals. Because as soon as they got out of the ark, the first thing they did was build an altar and sacrifice to God, meaning those things were reserved for God and they weren't for Noah. Noah worked to take care of them, but he didn't get to benefit from them except through sacrifice. So you understand there's always been something reserved for God. And then we moved in and called the tithe uh, under the you know Mosaic law. Abraham tithed before the law, so did Jacob. So you understand it's always been something reserved for God and continues to be. And really tithe is a test of your heart to see if you'll return back to God what he said is his. And if you will be obedient to do that, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. If God's got your heart, then your heart will reflect it in your actions. And the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if you don't have any issue at all releasing your treasure unto God, it's a clear picture that your heart is with God and not with your treasure. You see that? Tithing is a test to your spirit on whether or not you will honor God with what is his. Number three, the third enemy that you must defeat to walk in the increase financially that God has planned for you is that you've got to decide in your heart to become a generous giver. Not just a giver, a generous giver. A cheerful, generous giver. 
if you want to be blessed. And the reason I say you have to become a cheerful, generous giver is because the principle is taught in God's word that whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And in the same measure that a man sows, then he'll reap in that same measure. If you give sparingly, the Bible says, you'll reap sparingly. So you can't be overwhelmingly blessed sowing sparing seeds or small seeds. If you want to be blessed a tiny bit, then keep giving small seeds that don't move your heart, that don't move your faith, that don't actually challenge your spirit. But if you want to be overwhelmingly blessed, then begin to sow generous, cheerful seeds that take faith to step out and give. Somebody told my uncle one time, they said, I tried that um, that giving and the tithing thing and you know, I just didn't see any blessing coming back from it. I just didn't see any harvests. And obviously he, he told him, he said, now you obviously I know that's untrue because God's word says that if you give, it will be given unto you. Not it might, it will. And God's word is true. He said, the problem that you're experiencing is, is that the seeds that you released from your life were so small and insignificant that you didn't even feel them or notice them when they left your, when they left your life. And as a result of that, when your harvest came back, you didn't notice that either. And he said, if you don't feel it when it leaves, you won't feel it when it comes back. So you have to decide in your heart to become a generous, cheerful giver. And when you sow that type of a seed, it brings a harvest back that is overwhelming, that is more than enough, that floods your house. You have to make that decision because, see, God wants you to have more than enough to overflow for every good work so that you never lack any good thing. Number four, and this is one people don't talk about a whole lot, but you've got to make a decision to bless the poor. You've got to make a decision to bless the poor. Why do I say that? Because it is commanded in Scripture. It is commanded in Scripture. So the Bible says that when you bless the poor or when you give to the poor, uh, you are actually lending to the Lord. Did you know that? Proverbs 19, seven, the Bible says when a man gives or blesses to the poor, he is lending alone to the Lord and the Lord will repay that person. So you understand there are multiple times throughout scripture that we are instructed to bless the poor. And part of the reason that you are blessed is to be a blessing to others. You shouldn't just be, you know, believing, uh, you know, to feed your own children. If you've got kids, you should be believing for increase so that you cannot just feed your kids. You can feed other kids. You shouldn't just be buying gifts for your kids, but other kids should be blessed at Christmas time because of your overflow. Uh, you understand that? So God wants to make you bigger than yourself. God wants to make you bigger than yourself. He wants to allow you to overflow bigger than yourself. Why do you want to be bigger than yourself? Because you're called to be an asset in this generation and not a liability. You don't need a handout. You're called to be bigger than yourself. That's a powerful thought because, see, God doesn't want you scrounging through life trying to barely get by. He wants you to be a blessing to the to those that are around you so that you can have that um that testimony that we should have from the Abrahamic covenant that you will bless this generation. He said, 
That's what God told Abraham. He said, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. So you're called to bless this generation. Then the Bible says that you're, you're called to lend to many nations and not borrow. So let me just say this. Proverbs 28, 7 also says it this way. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes, talking about from the needs of the poor, will get many a curse. We'll get many a curse. So understand that when you have the ability to help others and you don't, it brings curse on your life. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. There'll be no lack. You see that? There'll be no lack. So God's called us to bless the poor. I could give you scripture after scripture as I've done throughout this podcast to show you that God expects us to be a blessing. Part of our, our Abrahamic covenant that we have through Christ is he said, I'll bless you to the point that your name will become great. You know what that means? It means you'll be so blessed that your reputation of blessing others will go before you. I made up in my mind when I started becoming a minister, you know, when I decided when, when I stepped out and the Lord began to use me to travel and open the doors for me, I made up my mind, I'm not going to be a drain on the kingdom of God's resources. I'm not going to be a bum that's always looking for a handout. I'm going to be the one that has a reputation. Man, you can't hardly get one over on this guy. He, you know, he can't, this guy, you can't even pay for his meal. He's always paying. He pays for everybody's meal. He buy. he's, he brings gifts. He's, he's always blessing. You can't hardly do anything for him. He's always doing it for you. I made up my mind. I'm not going to be a drain on the resources of others. I'm going to be a blessing to others. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to overflow to the place where other people know that if he's around, I'm getting blessed. If he's around, I'm getting blessed. I mean, and I've made myself, I've made up in my mind to be an extravagant giver. And one of the ways, uh, not just blessing the poor, but just blessing others around you. You know, I made up in my mind, nothing that I have will ever have me. That needs to be yours as well, your motto. Nothing you have will ever have you. That there's nothing in your life that you, oh man, I've wanted that for so long. When I get that thing, man, I'm never going to let it go. If you do that, things begin to own you. And you become like the rich young ruler where the Bible says that he came to Jesus and said, I want to be your disciple. What do I need to do? And Jesus said, follow, you know, obey the law. And he said, I've done that since I was a young boy. He said, you're lacking one thing. Go sell all you have and give the money to the poor. And the Bible says the rich young ruler went away sorrowful for he had many possessions, meaning, as my grandfather used to preach, many possessions had him. The reason he couldn't part with them is because he didn't own them. They owned him. It's dangerous to get yourself to a place where what you have owns you. I've made up my mind. There's nothing I'll ever get or ever have or something God's put in my hand that will not, that cannot be given away at will as soon as God tells me to give it. I remember I really got into retro Jordans and I started collecting retro Jordans shoes. If you don't know what that is, I'm talking about the the basketball sneakers <laughs> that uh, Michael Jordan wore. Now there's so many releases in different colorways. And I got into that sneaker game for a while and I was like loving it. And uh, in a short period of time, I had like 14 pairs of uh, retro Jordans. You know, those things get expensive. 
Yeah, and, and uh, so, I mean, I had a whole closet full of boxes. You know, I kept those things in mint condition. I'd wear them, clean them, put the, you know, uh, stuff back in so the toe box wouldn't wrinkle. You know, I just, I mean, everything took good care of them. And I had like 14 pairs sitting up there. And the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, what are you doing with all those shoes? You know, I thought, you know, I'm blessed, man. Hallelujah. I am blessed. Praise the Lord. And the Lord began to speak to me and he used a scripture passage to speak to me. He said, and he was taking this uh, from the context of the parable where uh, the man who who walked in a place where he would not release, you know, to others. The Bible says that he he uh, had gathered so much up for himself that he said, you know what I'll do? I've already filled my barns. You know what I'll do? I'll tear down these barns and build bigger barns and then fill, you know, fill my stuff up with more more resources for myself. And the Lord actually said that to me. He said, your closet's full of those Jordans. What are you going to do? Tear down your barns and build bigger barns? And I felt a conviction in my spirit at that moment. And uh, I called a friend of mine in our church. I said, hey, get all the young men that wear my shoe size to come into the church um, on this one night. It was a Wednesday night. I brought 12. I can't remember. I only kept like one pair at the time. And I, I brought all the rest in to the church. And set them in there. I said, I let those guys come back there and take their pick, whatever they wanted. They were like mint condition, brand new, dead stock, if you will. And uh, man, they're coming in there with wide eyes. People couldn't believe it or understand. Like, why are you doing this, bro? Why are you giving these away? It's because the Lord spoke to me. And nothing will ever have me. You know, a $500 pair of shoes is not going to run my destiny. It's not going to run my eternity. If God says, give it, it's gone. You know. God could put a watch on my wrist that costs you know eight thousand dollars, costs twenty thousand dollars, whatever. That thing's never going to own me. If God says give it away, it's gone. It's gone. I've got to learn to be a blessing to others. And see, that's what you make up in your mind. Nothing will ever own me. I own it. It works for me. It's just a seed. Everything I have is just a seed. At any at any given moment, I could sow it, and it, and it brings me back a harvest. And that's how you understand it works. Is that. I make a choice to bless the poor. I make a choice to give generously. I make a choice to tithe. I make a choice to live holy. And then finally, let me give you the number five. The fifth enemy of your increase that you have got to defeat is that you cannot allow yourself to be pulled out of your purpose. The enemy's working overtime to do this to every believer, to get them to step out of their purpose of what they're called to do. And understand you have got to decide, number five, to pursue your purpose only. One of the things that will rob you of your financial increase is getting involved in doing things that God never called you to do. And you know the scripture that I love to use here, Psalm 127 and verse 1. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they're laboring in vain that build it. I don't ever want to work in vain. I don't ever, ever want to work and it mean nothing, spinning my wheels. I don't ever want to do that. I want to make sure whatever I'm doing, it's because the Lord told me to do it and because it's my purpose. When you operate in your purpose, it always brings increase. Because on the flip side of what Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. But if the Lord does build the house, it's impossible for anything you do to be in vain. In fact, I'll take you to uh, what the Bible says about this. And I, and I, one of my favorite scriptures on this subject is found in uh, the book of Isaiah, because I want you to understand how powerful this is. 
that when Isaiah is, is prophesying on behalf of the Lord, he's actually teaching that God knows how to take his people higher. And so in Isaiah 40, 31, the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord or who serve him with gladness. The word wait doesn't mean that you wait like you know God's late for a meeting. It means you're waiting on him as though you're serving him, almost like a waiter would wait on a table. You're serving him. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So one of the first benefits is when you do what God's told you to do, that you build new strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. Notice that? You'll fly high. That there's no limit to how high you can go. God will give you wings. You will fly high when you wait on the Lord. You'll run and not be weary. You'll have stamina that others don't have. You'll walk and not faint. You'll be able to do what others cannot do. Why? Because you've listened to the voice of the Lord. And now, because of the voice of the Lord, (laughs) hallelujah, now you have the ability to do what others cannot do and have not done. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing. What no one else can do, you will do. Why? Because you're sticking to your purpose. You're sticking to your purpose. So the fifth thing you have to make a decision uh, to do is that you have to make a decision to stick with your purpose. Let me read you one more verse of scripture before I pray. Isaiah 48 verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy one of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. So when God leads you in your purpose, it actually is leading you into something that will profit you, not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, like prophecy and a prophet, profit like a business, P-R-O-F-I-T. He teaches you to profit, to make money, to become wealthy, to become rich. When you obey the voice of the Lord, he takes you in the way that brings profit on what you're doing. You won't be cursed. You'll be blessed because you obeyed the voice of the Lord. When you defeat these five things by making five decisions that will keep you in the overflow, nothing can hold your blessing back from you. Holiness, tithing, giving, blessing the poor, and staying in your purpose will ensure that God can open up the windows of heaven over your life and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to contain. I want to pray for those of you that are listening because many of you are believing for financial increase uh, like never before. And listen, God's got it ready for you. God has a plan, as I said at the beginning, to bless you. And so I want to pray for you. And then I want to also encourage you today as we pray to sow a seed. Because here's the thing. You can't be blessed without a seed being sown. And you'll know that I don't ever on the podcast do that. But today I feel it's appropriate. That as God's speaking to you, I'm going to encourage you to sow a seed today by faith. And when you do, watch and see what God does in your ministry and in your life. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman. I pray that this message penetrated their heart today. I pray, Lord, that you speak to everyone that's listening. Give them an instruction that moves them forward and takes them into their promotion and into their increase. Lord, give us an instruction today that's specific that will take faith to step out on in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, here's what you need to do. If you want to sow a seed, the Holy Spirit's directing you right now. Go to miracleword.com and click on the give button. Or if you feel to partner with my ministry and Carolyn's ministry here, 
You can click the partner button. You can even choose which day of the month you'd like to have that monthly seed uh, taken from your account. But I want you to hear this today. As you sow this seed by faith, understand what happens when you sow it generous seed is that that thing leaves your hand and dies in the ground, means you have no more control over it. And God takes then the thing you've released and multiplies it and puts it back into your ministry and into your life at a, at a harvest stage. It leaves at a seed stage, returns at a harvest stage. So I want to encourage you to go and sow that seed right now. Uh, as you're listening to the end of this podcast, I love you so much. I know God's got great things happening for you and planned for your ministry and life. I'm so excited to hear testimonies of what God's doing for you. I love you guys so much. I will be back here on Wednesday for Worship Wednesday podcast. Once again, Worship Summit's coming up right around the corner. Literally, we're less than a month away from it. I want to encourage you to come. It's absolutely free, and you can register for free at southeastworship.com. I love you guys so much. Don't forget, until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. Miracle Word.